everyone, it's Mark. Today's episode is sponsored by Paint Care. Paint Care is the industry's own solution for the problem of post-consumer paint waste. The organization has already collected over 50 million gallons and redirected them from landfills and waterways. Paint Care currently operates in nine states and the District of Columbia with New York, the 10th state, coming online in May of 2022. Paint Care is both good for the environment and your business. 35% of dealers who sign up to be a Paint Care drop-off location report new customers shopping in their store as a direct result of their participation in Paint Care. To learn more about Paint Care, go to paintcare.org. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. It's Mark. Cool episode today. I have Frank Cohen with me again. So many dealers reached out to me after he was on the last time and we're grateful for the advice that he gave. And so we tried a little different format. This is a relatively short episode, 25 minutes. We've broken it down. Frank's got advice bullet pointed in five design and decor categories that we just go through fast, rapid fire. And I think that whether or not you uh, have decor and you're looking to improve your offering or you're thinking about adding decor or any aspect of decor, all dealers can benefit from uh, listening to Frank for these next few minutes. Before we go on, though, I just wanted to send a quick thanks. Anybody noticing I'm wearing a shirt today sent to me from the paint shops in Rhode Island. The paint shops is five stores, two brothers, John and Buddy McKenna, who, if you run into them at the All Pro Show, buy them a drink. You're about to have a really good time. These guys do a great job. They have five stores up in Rhode Island. They're a large Benjamin Moore dealer. They have lots of other products as well. Good design decor departments and, and really good friends of mine. And I've always appreciated their friendship. And so, uh, John and Buddy, thanks for the great shirt. Uh, I appreciate it very much. And I'm glad for the opportunity to uh, shine some light on the really good work that you guys are doing in Rhode Island. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. With me today on my episode is Frank Cohen. Frank, how are you today? Mark, it's great to see you. And since my last podcast, the Yankees have gotten about 20 games over 500. So yep. we're number one in the wild card. So things are good for both of we're, us. Yep, we're, we're looking like we're ready for a deep run. Deep run. That's what we're hoping for. So for those of you who don't remember, Frank and I are, are old friends, and Frank is a design and decor consultant to independent paint retailers. Frank, before we jump in, because we have a specific agenda that we wanted to get to today, why don't you just tell us quickly what exactly a design and decor consultant does? Well, I basically assist independent retailers that want to diversify. Sometimes they just sell paint and they want to get into the design and decor market, so I show them how to create a design department, bring in wall covering, bring in window treatments, go over different vendors. Other product categories can include, you know, area rugs, fabrics. So it's basically helping dealers diversify. And so one of the thoughts that you and I had, Frank, on what might make for an interesting episode is just sort of do five topics on five minutes each on what dealers can do in their design and decor department to bring sort of quick change and, and upgrades to those departments. So if you're ready, let's jump in and, and let's just hit those five things that we were prepped for. 
The first thing you had shared when we put this together is the power and importance of a color consultant. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that, Frank? Well, a color consultant does so many things. It starts with the person acting as a greeter and ambassador for the store or, or for the paint department. Uh, this person can help direct product decisions through color. So what does that mean? Well, obviously the person's there for color, but if you have a good color consultant, she can take someone who maybe came in for a low to middle grade can of paint and discuss the virtues of a premium can of paint and, and, and along with the virtues of the color they pick out. So that one of the things that's handy about color consultant is a lot of times at the counter, your employees at the counter are sort of rushed to get the customer out because they're at the counter and there's other people, but a color consultant can take more time. Well, that's one of my points is it keeps the consumer away from a busy paint counter. We all know what it's like to have three orders you have to get up quickly, 100 gallons here, 50 gallons there. And then all of a sudden you have a consumer who walks up to the counter and wants to discuss oyster white versus linen white. And you really want to just shoot yourself in the head. Uh, so that gets taken away from the counter and it's done at another point. And and it's extremely important uh, that, that that takes place. And that your mixing and your paint counter will be much more productive by having it done that way. Friendly dialogue leads into other design choices. So once you get into what color are you into, then it's like, well, you know, let's talk about the room. And do you have it, you know, do you need an accent wall? Or are you going to be doing any window treatments? So the color consultant starts with color, gets into product, and then gets into trying to schmooze to the point where they can do a shop at home for design, or they could do a color consultation in the house. So it leads to larger sales. One of the important aspects of this to the dealers that I've spoken about about this, we did not have one later in my career at Tremont. We did uh, earlier on, my mother actually filling that role for about 20 years, is that it really gives you the opportunity to expand the sale. Because the person that is looking for help on a color is more likely to be open-minded to suggestions about other things that they can do associated with the job, be it wallpaper or flooring or window treatments. And it could be, you know, a, a good color connection at the counter. And if, let's just say, it ends up with a quart of paint, that consumer that came into your store had a good experience. And then that person will say down the road, if they do want to do window treatments or wall coverings, they're going to go back to that person. They had That's a good right. experience. A couple other little things, you know, a good color consultant can help your sundry business. You know, instead of letting this person flail away between the color rack and the paint counter, you know, you're going to say, are you doing this work yourself? And if you are, can I show you, you know, are you going to brush your roller? And then the next thing you know, there should be you know, some caulk, some rollers, some drop cloths and what have you, and it can add to a standard sale. Also, what's nice about a color consultant, if it's a home center or if it's a larger store, is this person can then, upon the end of the sale, bring this person to other departments. You know, maybe they want to go to a kitchen department or maybe they want to go to a lumber department. It's a way of really giving the customer a great experience. So Frank, we did a really great job with the value of a color consultant. Why don't you just run through real quick those bullet points one more time. First step in a shop at home or color consult in the customer's house. Color consultant keeps consumer away from a busy counter employees. Color consultant can help direct premium sundry purchases. 
and it can bring paint customer to other departments within the store. Thanks. We're going to move on because I want to keep this a fast-paced episode. The next yep. thing you wanted to talk about were the proper expectations for wallpaper margins. So for many dealers out there have wallpaper as their first step in a design department. And it's important to talk about, you know, what do you really expect to make from it? Or, or is it going to be a high margin or a low margin business? And I guess what I really want to say is it can be both. First, you need to decide, you know, are you going to have both commercial wall covering or is it just a retail wall covering? What's nice about commercial wall covering is that there's many reasons why contractors would want the local paint store they're dealing with to carry it. Some of it has to do with the fact that they might have a 60 or a 90 day terms with their paint store and they couldn't get those terms with a commercial wall covering company. They usually have to pay up front. So it could be a 10 or $20,000 sale, which is very nice. The question is, is, you know, you have to be competitive and that t- tends to mean you're in the 15 to 20% margin range. Is that something? This is commercial goods we're talking about. Yes, commercial goods. That's something you can live with. I always feel like you should look at at any business within your your paint store as a blended margin, that there'll be many, many 15 or 20% items to be competitive and to get the sales, but at the same time that you have to offset that with the 40s and the 50s and your brushes and your rollers and your other items and, and some wall covering Retail-wise, if we want to talk about that for the moment, you should be in the 30 to 40% range. Um, sometimes 40 might be a little tough, but the, the sales are nice. Other things about it is that it's a dropship business. It's paid completely right. up front. You're not holding any paper. What's great, the customer orders it. You ship it to their house. They get payment in full. It's, it's a great business. Nothing better and- than a dropship And so I don't want to cut you off there, but one of the things that I like to remind dealers about when they think about margins is it's not really just about gross profit margin. It's really about net profit margin, right? How much money am I putting in my pocket at the end of the day? And for some of these wallpaper transactions, and particularly the 54-inch goods, the commercial goods that you were talking about before, which are lower margins, but if there's no expense in in the transaction for you, if that's something where your customer is paying you up front or it's all a drop ship or the terms that you're given meet the terms that you give, that sort of thing. If there's nothing out of pocket other than just the transfer of their money to yours, then 15% is actually quite healthy because you can look at it and say, listen, there's there's nothing else coming out of this. I'm almost netting 15% versus something that comes through the store. And so I like your thinking about a blended margin. And and the other thing that occurs to me is with so many fewer wallpaper companies around uh, compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago when you and I were young and and handsome, your discounts can be uh, raised by buying lower margin products, just like some you know, dealers sell certain, you know, they sell super high as a bit of a loss leader to get an extra quarter of a million in sales to get 1% discount on the whole thing. You can use the uh, commercial wallpaper that exact same way. It's so important to have a relationship with a vendor. Maybe you beat them up for, for an extra 30 days, which helps you. Maybe you can beat them up for, look, in 30 days, I'm going to pay you, but I want a 2% cash discount. And listen, you know what? I'm delivering, sometimes commercial paper has to go to a loading dock and it can't be put to a job site. So you can say to the vendor, you know what, I'm holding this stuff, I'm warehousing it, 
you know, can you give me an extra discount because I want to make it worthwhile. So communication with the vendor is extremely important. Yeah, to keep your margins up. You know, I had a conversation with the dealer just this last week that basically sounded like what you're saying. You'd be surprised what vendors will give you if they know that you need it. And if you bring it to them up front, don't come to That's them. That's right. When you can't pay a bill, God forbid, come to them right. ahead of time. Um, right. So in terms of retail margins, you know, it's important for the dealer to realize all the different expenses. There's a book plan expense. A lot of times, uh, some of the vendors charge for their books. And you have to keep that in mind that it's an expense. And that expense should never be probably more than 3% as a percentage of your total sale. The biggest cost of being a wallpaper dealer are that about half the vendors charge for books or they have book plans. Or sometimes you can make a deal with these vendors and instead of paying $50 a book, hey, look, I'll buy two books, but I don't wanna, I'll, I'll buy them for $25. But there is a book expense and it's important for you to keep that you know, in accounting and to take a look at that. And that expense at the end of a year should never be more than 3% of your total sale. Fabulous. So you do, you do a couple hundred thousand dollars, $200,000 in wallpaper business, that book expense should not be more than $6,000. Terrific. It's extremely important. Um, yeah, also, that's great information. When Anytime you can get that specific, Frank, you're helping dealers. And so that's terrific information. Great. Also, every time they ship wallpaper, there's a freight expense. Never forget to charge, you know, your customer for freight. And, you know, some people charge it, make a profit center out of it. Maybe if it's two double rolls, the freight might be, you know, over $13 to say shipping and handling $25. Right. A lot of times that's, that'll help you with your margin. So it's important to, you know, maybe turn an expense into a profit center. Another way to help your profit is creating sales periods with these vendors during for extra discounts during the year. You know, usually a wallpaper department will have five, seven, 10 vendors. You know, everybody knows the Yorks and the Brewsters and the Tebos and some of the fancier wall coverings, you know, the, the Philip Jeffries of the world or the Zoffanies. There's there's tons of, of wall covering vendors, but if, if you ask each vendor for one or two months a year for an extra 10 or 15%, you're going to feature their books. You know, you can promote it as on sale or you can just keep the profit yourself. But vendors, again, if they know you're going to promote the books, put them up front, put them where everybody can see them and you're getting an extra discount, it's a way for you to defer expenses and increase your margin. Sometimes you can create a private label within your wall covering department. So, you know, a lot of your wall covering, people complain about it because it's on the internet and can be shopped. If you have a basic product category, such as um, grass cloth, grass cloth is very popular now. There's some particular brands that are very popular, but they're also those brands are shopped a lot. So what I've done in the past is I've taken a category where, let's say I take 50 patterns of, of plain grass cloth and all the color waves, you know, I turn that, it can't be shopped. It's, it's private label. They don't know where I get it. I get it from. I can give them samples to look at private, different numbers. So they can't track it. And I give them value because it's a premium product at a discounted price. And my margins there because it's private label and they can't shop it. So that's I love private label. So what else you got for us on wallpaper, Frank? 
Well, you need to be in control of your library. A lot of wall covering vendors will send in books. I always approved every book that went into my library. And it's extremely important to realize the customer can get a little overwhelmed. Bigger is not necessarily better for a wallpaper library. So just make sure that, you know, no book enters your library unless you approve it. And it, 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 it's something that you deem as, as saleable. Lastly, I think it's important for everyone to realize up front that, you know, there's going to be internet pricing that you need to match. And as long as you deal with it ahead of time, you're going to get your blended margin. But also, if you keep track of it, you can go back to the vendor and say, hey, look, I, you know, you were on the internet and I had, to, this was, I only made 20% on this. Can you help me with an extra 10% on this? Again, if you have a good relationship with your vendor, you can match internet pricing all day long. And a lot of times they'll help you with it. Terrific. So one more time, real quick, just to bullet okay. point all of those things. Uh, what did you have to say? So we talked about retail versus commercial and your, and your margin expectations. Book plan expense as a percentage of sales. We talked about it being 3%. 3%, yep. Uh, remember your freight expense on each sale. Creating sale periods with vendors for extra discounts. Sometimes you can create a private label when it's practical. <clears throat> Approve every book for your library. Be in control of your books. Expect to match internet pricing and get some vendor margin relief. And bigger is not necessarily better for your library. Be in control of it and make sure you just hit the key categories. So the next one on the list, Frank, uh, is adding wallpaper installation to your design and decor business. Go. Well, many times at the end of a wallpaper sale, they say, well, can you give me the name of a few different contractors to hang it? Well, after doing that for many years, I decided that I'd like to be in control of that part of the sale. And it's also a way to make a, let's say for a powder room, go from $400 to $2,000. It's also a great way to know that your customer is going to have a very, very professional job done. So, it's so how were you doing that? Were you subbing that out or did you hire uh, I wallpaper hangers? I was subbing it out. You know, I made sure they had the proper insurance to go into yep. people's homes. Yep. But, you know, usually in every town or every paint store, there's three or four guys that you know are wonderful mechanics and great paper hangers. So those are the people I started this business with. And my designers loved it because sometimes they could spend two or three hours with a woman and, or, or, or a man and, and only end up with a two or three double roll sale. And all that work for maybe $200 and maybe they had to match the price. But it's a way to, a way to then say, well, can I give you an estimate to hang it for you? And it, it, it's a great way to make a small sale into a large sale. And it could also add some volume to, to, your, to your department. A control of a proper installation, quality paper deserves, you know, a quality installation. Uh, we talked, it makes a small sale into a large sale. It makes a customer happier, right? If they, if they hung it and they know that they can come back to your store if they're dissatisfied and you know that they're not going to be dissatisfied because of who you hired to do the job, it seems like a great opportunity to, you know, help your relationship with a customer while making some extra money. It also makes sure that the paper gets hung properly. A lot of times you'll sell wallpaper, then the customer might want, might want to try it. They don't put on sizing. They don't really let the pace set up. There's so many ways a, a wallpaper job could fail that, you know, it, um, it, it just gives you a better feeling as a retailer knowing that it's, the job is, is going to be done properly. The design employees were very happy with, with, with doing that because it made their commissions better on, on a larger sale. 
always have three or four installers around. Don't just have one or two because one, they get busy. Two, they might do this for other stores you're competing against. And three, you never want to be too long in terms of getting it scheduled. Um, right. That's pretty much it for the topic. It, it's just a Terrific. great way to uh, make a, a sale into a larger sale. All right, Frank, we're going to move on. So before we do, uh, wrap up uh, wallpaper installation for us. You got it. It's a one-stop shop. Keep customers from going to other competitors. You have control of a proper installation. Quality paper deserves a quality installation. You can take a small sale and turn it into a large sale considerably. It makes design employees happy because you have larger commissions because the sale goes from, let's say, 500 to 2000 bucks. Installers become loyal and they will support you with sundries and purchases, which is a nice thing. Have three or four installers, spread the business around to these people. And lastly, make sure they have proper insurance uh, as any installer should for your business. So if you're ready to move on, the next topic, Frank, is having more than one line of window treatments. You have some pretty strong views on that. Why don't you share them? I'd be glad to. Two lines of window treatments should cover all your price points. I'm not going to get into specific brands, but it's no different than paint. A lot of times, you know, you might have a premium paint brand and then a regional paint brand that might be, you know, as good in quality, but because it's regional, it's it's priced a little less. So it also covers all your, all your pricing categories. So two lines should cover that. It helps maintain your margins because if your premium brand and your secondary brand have the same product, but you make more money on the secondary brand, and maybe it's a little cheaper, but you're making more money, it's a great way to make more margin. Obviously, when you have more than one brand, it increases your bargaining power with one vendor versus the other. And I actually want to stop you there and talk about that, because this is something that I've spoken about with just about every retailer I've consulted with, and I've written about this for uh, most of my 30 years. I agree with your point, uh, what you said before is that if you have multiple brands, you can sometimes use them for different advantage to increase your gross profit margin. And, and that's a great way to do it, right? Competition between two people. And, sure. and so maybe you can increase your margins a little bit. But more important than that, that to me is is almost tactically how you take advantage of having multiple brands. Strategically, the value of having multiple brands cannot be overlooked. And what happens is whether we're talking about a paint dealer, we are talking about the wallpaper business, or in this case, we're talking about the window treatment business. If you are all in with one person or one manufacturer, you limit your possibilities to make money in ways that you're not currently considering. And one thing that I was sharing with a retailer this week that I did some consulting for the two biggest piles of money I ever made as a paint dealer were, were not from making a sale. In both cases, they were from manufacturers who I was able to cut deals with where, where they were basically willing to write me a check to get their products into Tremont Paint. And the reason I was able to do that was that I had more than one vendor available to me. And so I had different piles of business that I could move and sell and make available to other people and other manufacturers. And so to your point here, it's the same that would apply to window treatments as it does to paint. You are strategically better off if you have more than one vendor in a category. Now I completely agree with that, but there's always a, but it's important yeah. to realize that some of these window treatment companies, if you go to one brand only, 
they give you extra discounts and maybe yeah. terms. So you have to weigh the pros and cons. Yeah. You really have to look at it. Um, sometimes when you go to bed with one company, it, it, it helps you. So yes, what I would tell dealers is this, and I don't want to cut you off, but I don't want you teaching what I know to be wrong to the people that are listening, right? Uh, what I would tell you is this, I hear what you're saying, having all your eggs in one basket, they definitely pay for that. They'll get you an extra 1%, 2%, 3%. What I would tell you is that it costs you far more than they would ever pay. And, and my reasoning to support that is, is that they would pay you more if they had to. But once you're locked in like that, they don't really have to anymore, right? And so I, I, that's why I like that flexibility. But okay. I, I get your point. They're, they're, they're giving you something for it. And, and so I, I get it. But if, if somebody's giving me 3% not to look behind door number one, I don't know. Maybe this is just because I'm from the Bronx, but I got to see what's behind door number one, you know? Sure. I mean, something that's very current right now is, um, you know, product back orders sometimes can be switched. Yeah. You know, if you have a simple product, a, a honeycomb that they're out of the fabric with, you, you know, your one company, maybe the other company has something very close and, and you can get that quickly. Great point. Um, also, two brands, you offer more styles and options to the customer. You can piggyback these two different vendors that are running promotions. So in theory, you know, they usually window treatment companies run promotions, you know, at least every other month. If you piggyback that, you can have products on sale basically all year round instead of half right. a year. And, you know, you can either keep that for your margin or you give that margin to the customer to try to, you know, get more people in the door. Great point. Um, other things, you know, uh, two vendors gives you more co-op money and marketing money for you to advertise. And then, and like you brought it up before, you can always ask each vendor, if you were to drop one of them, how much more could they do for you? So having that bargaining and negotiating power is, is pretty important to, to any business. You know, it's really hard when somebody comes in uh, a sales rep comes in and, and all you have is, you know, Hunter Douglas or which I wasn't a, a, a window treatment guy. So I'll make a paint analogy. So if you just have one paint manufacturer that you're dealing with, it's not so easy to look at that and see opportunities. You have to actually like remove product and then sell customers away to other products. But if, if your business is a little bit more diversified, we had Benjamin Moore and Pratt and Lambert and Muralo mm. over the years and many others, frankly, over the years. And then I can look at an entire line of business. Listen, I was a Benjamin Moore dealer in New York. My Benjamin Moore business wasn't going anywhere, right? But the Pratt & Lambert business can be picked up and moved somewhere else. The Muralo business can be picked up and moved somewhere else. And so when somebody were to come in and say, hey, you know, I, I wanna sell you some paint, rather than just say, hey, can you give me a little extra discount on something? What do you pay me for this whole big pile of business? I'm giving Pratt & Lambert, 300,000 a year. What do you pay me to give you that for three years? And you'd be surprised how many people will write you a check for that. And so that's why I like the strategic value of having multiple vendors. And I suspect the same is true in window treatments. 100%. Sometimes, however, if you're with one, uh, one window treatment company, you're going to come up with some weird types of product requests where you just can't get what they what you need from this vendor. Uh, and, and when the vendor is in that, when your main vendor is in that situation, they know, they, they understand that you need to make your sale. So it's not like 
you're, you're cheating on them. You're just, you, you're trying to, to conduct business. So yeah, another trying to make to the sale. second vendor. All righty. So, so here you go. Let's just hit the bullet points on this. The uh, value of having more than one line of window treatments. Okay. A two line should cover all price points. It helps maintain your margins, increases bargaining power with one vendor versus the other. Product back orders can be switched to the other vendor. More options and styles for your customer. You can piggyback each vendor that's running promotions so you can be on promo maybe the whole, almost the whole year. Co-op and marketing money to spread from two sources rather than one. And you can ask each vendor if you were to drop them, what could be added to your program? So it's a, a bargaining position. I like it. Great job. Frank, tell me what you're talking about when you say custom window treatments. I'm talking about things like Roman shades or drapes or curtains. So what, what are the reasons the dealers should be considering adding those products? Well, it's a high margin sale and the product can't be shopped because you're doing custom labor and you get a strong bond between the customer and your designer. And it can sometimes be a very, very large sale because usually if they're going to do custom shades in one room, they're going to do it in more than one room. It's a great way to help grow your fabric sales as a category. Everybody needs fabric to make a Roman shade or to make drapes. Lately, the styles of drapes and curtains have become a lot more simpler. So it makes the category a little less crazy. And the new straight panel styles have become very popular. And it's a lot easier to produce and a lot quicker to produce. You can add window hardware as a category to the drapes because they have to hang on things, obviously. Decorative hardware, by the way, a very large business for some retailers in this space, a very large business. It's, it's become huge. And yep. also, if you're already doing hard window treatments, you know, you already have a, an installer that probably can do your measuring and installation problems. If you make sure that the, your installer, you know, he has to stand by his measurements. And since he's installing it, if there's any issues, well, it's his problem and he'll make sure he has to fix it. So that's kind of nice. I like it. So it's extremely important also to realize that you have to be careful with custom window treatments. Mistakes can be very costly, obviously. The customer has very high expectations because you're giving them something very special. Be careful not to overpromise uh, on a total time to produce and install. I mean, right now there's a lot of back orders that are taking place. You have to communicate with the customer during every process of the sale. It's extremely important to have the customer sign off on a finished look before the workroom produces to avoid any surprises. Great advice. So let's hit those bullet points, Frank. Great job. Well, thanks. So the pros, high margin sales as product can't be shopped. It helps grow fabric sales for your department. The new simple styles make finished product a little easier to make. It adds window hardware and decorative hardware as a category with nice margins. And you also have an installer that, you know, the responsibility is on him. He can measure and install and it minimizes any problems. And if there is a problem, it's his problem. I like it. And I heard what you said before to dealers. They need to be careful. And you gave some good reasons. So really well covered, Frank. Thanks. You're welcome. Frank Cohen, a design and decor consultant for independent paint retailers. Thank you so much. And my dear friend of 30 years, thank you so much for uh, joining me today and, and sharing your wisdom with dealers.
Well, thank you for having me, Mark. I truly enjoy your blog and your every week and you do such a great job. So thank you. I appreciate that, Frank. And we're going to put your email address uh, up on the screen. He's doing great work for independent retailers, really making a difference. Thanks, Mark. 